Hey Grace Fellowship, believe it or not, summer is right around the corner. And from June 24th through July 1st, our senior pastor Rex Keener will be teaming up with Pastor Tony Evans to deliver a week of daily chapel messages at Camp of the Woods, a Christian vacation camp just a few miles north of us in Speculator, New York. Now, if you've ever been to Camp of the Woods, you know this place is amazing. Besides the mountains and the lake, they've got beautiful accommodations, delicious food, and plenty of fun activities for the whole family. You can learn more about Pastor Rex's speaking dates and about Camp of the Woods on our Facebook page or by visiting gracefellowship.com backslash camp. About six weeks ago, Pastor Rex wrapped up our 2020 Vision Sermon Series and presented the campaign vision to us as a congregation. Today, we're going to take a look at where we are with the fundraising goals, and then we'll look at two specific prayer points for this campaign. We've received some very generous gifts since this campaign began, and right now, our four campuses have given a total of $828,000. Church, we're off to a great start. Praise the Lord. Now, as this money comes in, it's important for us to keep covering this entire campaign in prayer. Right now, we need to be praying specifically for two things. First, we want to pray for God to give Pastor Rex and all of our leaders continued wisdom as they make decisions about timing and contracts and so many other important pieces in this process. Second, let's pray that God would continue to deepen our desire to reach our Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the world with the good news, and that each of us individually would have a heart of commitment to that vision. As the 2020 Vision Campaign moves along, we're going to be bringing you regular updates about fundraising and prayer requests, construction timelines, and more. And if you'd like to know more about 2020 Vision, you can always check out our campaign homepage, gracefellowship.com slash 2020 Vision. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to worship today. We begin a brand new series today called Abraham, A Daring Faith. You know, one of the things you discover as you go on this Christian journey, walking with God, you find out pretty fast that faith is an essential part of the Christian life. Listen to this verse from Hebrews chapter 11. It looks like this, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Faith is an essential part of an effective and victorious Christian life. That's true not just of individuals, it's certainly true of the local church. God honors the people who learn how to walk in faith together. But you know, I think most of us would say we're kind of like that dad in Mark chapter 9, that story where he pleads with Jesus to heal his son, and he says, Lord, please heal my son if you can. And Jesus says, if I can, all things are possible to those who believe. And then the dad responds in Mark 9, 24, Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, it says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now, if we'd be honest, I think that's us, isn't it? Most of us would say, boy, yeah, I believe. I've got about 60% belief. But you know, there's about 40% of doubts that just keep trying to wedge their way into my life. That kind of describes us pretty well. 
Jesus chided his disciples in Matthew chapter 17 for their lack of faith. And he said, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Faith has such an awesome power in the life of the believer that I think all of us should respond the way these disciples responded in Luke 17, <coughs> where it says that the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, I don't know where you may be on the journey. I don't know if this is just something you're kind of window shopping and checking out, or, or maybe you've been a a person of faith, a follower of Jesus for many, many years now. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. I believe God is going to increase our faith during the weeks of this series on Abraham. It's impossible, really, to look closely into the life of a pioneer of faith like this, one who had a daring faith without it stoking your own level of faith. So I'm excited about that. You see, Abraham is a pretty unusual person. He's really the father of three major world religions. He's the father of Judaism through his son Isaac. He's the father of Islam through his son Ishmael. And he's really, in a sense, the father of Christianity through his descendant, Jesus Christ. And Abraham learned an important lesson through his life that I want all of us to learn. And I pray God will increase our faith as we learn this, that if we're just willing to look to God and trust in him, he truly will orchestrate the steps of our life. He truly will show us that he has our back and that we can trust our life and our finances and our friendships and our family and our whole future to him. I think we're going to learn some important lessons together. So today, as we dive into this series, I want us to first look at Abraham's call. If you have a Bible of your own, you can open it up to Genesis chapter 12. If you're new to the scriptures, that's the very first book in the Bible, so just start right at the beginning, go in 12 chapters, and you can just leave it open right there. I want us to see three facts about Abraham's faith that are worthy of us emulating in our own lives. Here we go. First of all, he believed God's promise even though that promise seemed impossible. In verse 2, we see that God makes this incredibly bold promise to Abraham. Look at it with me. God says, I will make you into a great nation. Now, why did that seem so impossible? Here's the reason. Because when that promise was made, Abraham was 75 years old and his wife was 65. And although their hearts ached and yearned for a child, so far they had been, been unable to have children. Isaiah Moore was a beloved professor in Louisville where I attended uh, seminary. He was a professor in a college there in Louisville, well-known individual, had taught for many decades, and the students just loved Isaiah Moore. What a professor. And his wife had passed away, and so he was a widower, and yet at the age of, get this, 89, Professor Isaiah Moore decided to remarry. 
at 89. And somebody asked him, Professor, I mean, please don't be bothered by my question, but why are you getting remarried at the age of 89? He said, well, I've always wanted to have a son. And somebody quipped, boy, Isaiah Moore ought to be elected as the president of the Optimist Club in Louisville, Kentucky. But that's the kind of faith here that an optimism that Abraham had. He's 75. And Abraham knew this wasn't humanly possible for he and Sarah. But see, God had revealed himself to Abraham so dramatically, he'd concluded that, you know what? God will do what he says he's going to do. In fact, in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it describes Abraham's faith like this. It says, against all hope, and that's what it was, there was no sense of human hope that this could possibly happen. Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, I realize that God has not revealed himself to most of us as directly and probably as dramatically as he did to Abraham. But would you write down three words right now, those of you who may be taking some notes on your portable device or on your note sheet, however it helps you to remember this. I want to give you three C words where God has really revealed himself to us in a significant way. The first word is creation. Romans chapter 1 says God's invisible qualities, his very divine nature has been made clear through creation. So that's one way God's revealing himself still today. A second way is conscience. That's your second C word. Romans chapter two, verses 14 to 16 says that, look, God's put a revelation in every person, every human being has some sense of right and wrong, no matter what culture, no matter what the sociological realities they come from. There's this inherent sense of oughtness in every person. And the third word is Christ. Creation, conscience, and then Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days. And by the way, we're in the last days for 2,000 years now, really. It's, a, it's literally a season referred to biblically as the last days. He has spoken to us in his Son, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And even though we don't see Jesus physically with our eyes, he reveals himself to us through his word. If you want to know Jesus, get in the Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. I doubt, I doubt if your faith grows very much, increases much if you just go out and lie under the stars and kind of ponder the wonders of the universe. It may grow a little bit. And I doubt if your faith is going to grow very much and increase just by reading what the philosophers have to say about God. But you know how your faith is likely to really increase? When you dig into God's word and see that every time God has made a promise, he did what he said he was going to do. Do you realize that? 
And that's a powerful faith builder. He said to Noah, look, if you build an ark, I will preserve you and your family from the judgment to come. That seemed impossible. But God did what he said he would do. He said to Moses, through you, I'm going to deliver my people from Egyptian bondage. That seemed impossible. Egypt was the most powerful nation on earth at the time. How can this happen? And yet God did what he said he would do. God said to Joshua, you march around this city seven times and I'll deliver it into your hands. What? But God did what he said he would do. He said to Gideon, you take 300 of these vigilant soldiers and I'll give you victory over the thousands of Midianite hordes. That's humanly impossible. God did what he said he would do. He said to a young shepherd boy named David, you are going to inherit the throne of the great king Saul. God was faithful. And even though it took years for it to develop, God did what he said he would do. He said to Elijah, hey, listen, Elijah, it's going to rain. That seemed impossible. Who could believe that? There wasn't a cloud in the sky, and there'd been a severe famine in the land, a horrible drought for three and a half years, but sure enough, God brought rain. He said to Naaman, even though he had this incurable disease of leprosy, look, you go dip seven times in the River Jordan and you will be cleansed. And even though that seemed impossible, God did exactly what he said he would do as Naaman obeyed. His skin was cleansed and made pure and clean as that of a child. And God said to the people of Israel, look, I'm going to send you a Messiah one day who's going to be the Savior, the one to forgive your sins. And in God's perfect time, God did what he said he would do. Can I tell you something? Nothing increases our faith more than just studying the record of God in the Bible. Deuteronomy 7 reads, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Catch this phrase. He is the faithful God. Boy, you probably want to underline or underscore that one some way. He is the faithful God. God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So here's the takeaway I want us all to get from this. Look, there are many promises in the Bible. And if you are a, a disciple of Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, learning to walk with him, one of the keys to that is just to take what God has said, one of his promises, and believe it and act on it because faith acts. He said, if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved. Have you acted on that? He said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing will be poured into your lap. Are you acting on that? Is something that you believe God's promise there? He said, look, be generous and I will meet all of your needs. God has said, if you walk in faith, my promises are going to become such a personal part of your daily life, 
it'll not only blow your mind, it'll be the greatest adventure you've ever had, and you will learn what it means to walk in faith. The second thing I want you to notice about Abraham's faith is that he obeyed God even when the future was uncertain. Even when the future was uncertain. Now the word, the name Abram, by the way, means exalted father. Later it was changed to Abraham, same guy. And as it was changed to Abraham, that name means father of many nations. If your Bible is open there to Genesis 12, let's look at some more verses. Verse 1 reads, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And we go on down to verse 4, and it says, So Abram left as the Lord had told him. What a risky thing to do. Would you agree? I mean, moving is risky no matter what. It's always risky. You risk your belongings. They may get lost or damaged or stolen. You risk relationships because distance usually puts pressure on relationships. And besides all that, Abraham was taking his whole family with him, all of his livestock, all of his goods. His dad was going with him, his nephew Lot and Lot's, uh, and Lot's wife. All were going to be going. And Abraham felt responsible for all of them. But here, of all the things that made this risky, to me, the biggest one is this. He didn't know exactly where he was going. Listen to how <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 describes it. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. Catch this part. And he went out, catch this now, not knowing where he was going. <laughs> not knowing where he was going. Imagine saying to your family, hey, we're going to be moving next week, but I don't know where we're going. They go, you've got to be kidding me. Have you lost your mind? But that was the situation. J. Oswald Sanders, a tremendous writer of the past, a great Christian leader, made this provocative statement. He said, faith, true faith, is content to travel under sealed orders. And that's true. What you discover as you walk with God, and many of you, boy, you have discovered this in a very personal and profound way, is that as you really obey God, you don't know always where this thing is going. But you're content to travel under sealed orders because faith is sometimes very risky. Back when I was a college student, I had a friend named Patrick Dennis. He lived in uh, Indian Town, Florida, just west of West Palm Beach. And a number of times, uh, I flew down to Florida with Patrick over some kind of school break or something. We'd spend a few days at his parents' house and just have a great time. Sometimes we'd go to the beach. Or One time, I remember an unforgettable uh, time we had where we went to a Christian music festival. And it was fantastic. We loved, you know... Uh, Christian rock music, and boy, there was just so many bands there that we always listened to, and, and it was also sort of a conference in that it had a number of teachers there 
who were giving seminars and workshops. And then in the evening, for the first time in my life, I heard Tony Campolo speak. Now, if you've ever heard Tony Campolo speak, you know he's one of the most dynamic communicators on the planet. And my mind was blown. I'd never seen anybody connect with an audience that way. And there we were listening to Campolo. He was a sociology professor at the time at Eastern College. And Campolo said at one point in his message, toward the end, he said, listen, I want to say a word to all of you college students out there. And boy, there were a lot of us. He said, uh, young people, what are you going to do with your life when you graduate? He said, you want to be a school teacher? Well, that's good, but there's school teachers standing in line for a job. He said, oh, you, you want to be a lawyer? Well, that's fine, but America already has 75% of the lawyers in the world. Did you know that? And he went on and on. He said, you, you're going to be a doctor? He said, most communities really have more doctors than they honestly need. He said, young people, I'm going to tell you the truth. America doesn't need you. He's saying this to us college students. America doesn't need you, but Haiti needs you. Kenya needs you. Indonesia needs you. Guatemala needs you. And he says, I'm asking you, would you be willing to give up the comforts of America and go wherever Jesus Christ would lead you to go? Would you be willing to take the risk of ministering in a third world country and giving your life to that? And he says, if you do, I want you to make your decision right now. He said, I'm going to ask you to get up from where you're sitting, and we're not going to play just as I am. No, none of that junk. Uh-uh. And I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes either. You know what? When you walk forward, I want people to stare at you. Because following Jesus Christ is a bold, risky commitment. And I'm listening to that. And I'm a young preacher. I'm going, nobody's going to respond to this, man. He's blown it there. Imagine my surprise when probably 200 college students got up, made their way forward, and stood in front of the platform. And then he wasn't finished. He said, I'm going to pray with all of you in a minute. And we're going to get your names, and we're going to encourage you. But he said, I now want to say a word to all the fat cats out there. But what does he mean by that? He said, I want to say a word to all of you who are making $300,000 a year, $500,000, a million, $2 million a year, and you're just socking it away in the bank. He said, listen, all you fat cats, that ain't going to do anybody any good in the bank. He said, how are these young people going to go to the foreign mission field unless somebody pays their way? And he said, I want to ask you, all you fat cats, if you're willing to fund one of these students, I want you to get up from where you are, and I want you to walk forward. I thought, nobody's going to respond to this. But to my amazement, some fat cats walked forward. <laughs> it was incredible. I'd never seen anything like this before. And I left that night going, oh, man, that's too much pressure. I would never do that. Boy, that's too dramatic, too emotional. I don't think those people are going to follow through. Can I tell you something? Some years later, I had the privilege of working at two 
Amsterdam conferences where missionaries and evangelists and pastors from all of the world came. As I heard the stories of literally hundreds of people, I met three people, and as I heard their story, how did you get into missions? Was that a meeting once where Tony Campolo said, all you college students out there, and I was just a college student, and I didn't know what I was going to do in my life, and boy, God really tapped me on the shoulder. And it's been awesome. And I've been spending my life, and they started name, naming the countries where they were serving. Three people. Now, what are the odds of that? I don't know how many times Campolo did that. Probably a bunch all over the nation. I don't know how many college students responded and how many followed through, but I do know this. Faith requires risk. And it may not be as dramatic as picking up and moving to Indonesia or Haiti or Kenya or somewhere, but faith is real no matter where it's expressed. A few weeks ago on Sunday, March the 26th, which was our Pledge Sunday, for our 2020 Vision campaign, Isabel Johnson. Isabel is a wonderful 13-year-old young lady in our Latham congregation. She was feeling God nudge her to make a pledge. And when I heard her story, I was so inspired by Isabel's story. I asked her, would you please write that down? And she did. And she gave me permission to share it with you. It's all about a 13-year-old's leap of faith. Isabel writes, in the sermons leading up to the 2020 Vision campaign, I knew that God would do amazing things and move many people and change lives, but I didn't know how that included me until March the 26th when Pastor Rex told the church that our giving was a tangible expression of our love and priorities. I realized my giving would not only help the church, but could help bring someone to Christ. During the sermon, my mom noticed I was fidgeting with the donation car, crossing out different giving amounts. She reminded me I did not have a job, (laughs) and no one would expect a 13-year-old to contribute. I then took a leap of faith and made a monthly donation. As I walked back from making my donation, the pledge, it it felt like the Holy Spirit had moved me. I I didn't truly understand what I had just done. I said to myself, my mom was right. I, I didn't even have a job. In the car ride home, I thought about my donation and realized I would be 16 by the end of the campaign, so I should have a job by then and could donate more money. Two weeks later, and after not having a babysitting job for months, get this part, I received four jobs. I was amazed. I understood that God works in miraculous ways. God showed me that because I stepped out and put my faith in him, that he would bless me and give me a way to follow through with my commitment. Can you imagine 13 years old? Isn't that an incredible story? What an inspiring story about someone who's willing to take the risky step of walking with God. And by the way, Isabel was recently baptized 
uh, publicly declaring her faith in Jesus Christ. What a beautiful example. What an inspiration, I believe, to all of us. And God may tap you on the shoulder here today and say, hey, I want you to step out. I want you to give up something. I want you to make this move as I lead you and guide you. And the question is, my question for you is, do you have the courage like Isabel, do you have the courage like so many others to step up and say, yes, Lord, I'll do what you're nudging me to do. Now, let's be honest. Frankly, he doesn't call most of us to pull up completely from where we live and and go to Haiti or go to Indonesia or go to Guatemala or Kenya. But if you walk by faith, I'll guarantee you, you will be called upon to sacrifice something of abundance. For some of you, it may be your resources. And boy, that's gonna put you out of your comfort zone in a hurry because you've taken so much comfort in all of that stuff you have packed away and you just keep, keep packing it and hoarding it and that's become a big part of your comfort. God may call you and say, listen, I've got a different plan. I want you to grow in generosity. For some of you, it may be a life of service. God is tapping you on the shoulder and he's saying, look, you're playing it way too safe. You're all about yourself. Your whole life is focused on you. I want you to get your eyes on some of the needy people around you. But you know what? That, that's gonna be risky because you won't be able to play golf as much, quite frankly. You won't be able to watch as much TV, probably. You won't have maybe as much pleasure time as you currently do. But oh, the satisfaction you're gonna find. And for some of you, God may nudge you to risk popularity or power or even worse. He may call you to risk your pride. You know what I believe? I believe there's some very smart people listening to me right now. And all your life you've prided yourself in being a real intellectual. And boy, your friends know it. They know you're sharp. They know you're a thinker. And you're just a little afraid, honestly, to really step out and put Jesus Christ number one in your life. Oh, they know you're a churchgoer. They've got no problem with that. Okay, yeah, do your duty. Give your nod to God. Yeah, that's, that's okay. But if you really stepped out and put Jesus Christ number one in your life, you know what? You're really concerned that your buddies would think you've gone over the deep end. Because some of them think that to be a real Christian, you've got to check your brain at the door. And so here you sit in the midst of the struggle about 18 inches from the kingdom of God. That's the distance from your head to your heart. And my question is, are you going to have the courage to step out in faith and take the risk? Do you love Jesus Christ enough? Do you believe strongly enough to take that kind of risk? Jesus promised for all those who do in Matthew 19, wow, what words these are. He said, and everyone who's left houses or brothers or sister or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Faith believes God. 
even when the future seems uncertain. But quickly here, I'm going to look at one other fact about Abraham's faith, and we're just kicking it off this week. Next week, we're going to see that God works even through Abraham's boneheaded decisions, and he had them, let me tell you. Even through his mistakes, God works even through that stuff in our lives. Don't miss that as we look at all that on Mother's Day weekend. But finally today, I want you to see he worshiped God even though his circumstances were imperfect. Now, buckle your seatbelt. This is about to get personal real fast. This trip was not an easy one for Abraham. If you read the previous chapter, chapter 11 of Genesis, you see that his father, Haran was his name, Haran dies halfway to the promised land. And we read in verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, catch this phrase, the Canaanites were in the land. Now think about this. Think about how haywire... Abraham must feel his life is going. He's trying to deal with this tsunami of grief of you losing his father. That's plenty to deal with right there. But he's also dealing with the pressure and the stress of being in a new place he's never been before and all the pressure that comes with that. And now he realizes something for the first time. There are enemies in the land. There are people in the land that do not want to see God's promise here fulfilled. He hadn't counted on that. God told him, look, you leave, go where I show you to go. He thought it would be a cakewalk. He thought if you obey God, he removes the obstacles. He didn't count on war. He didn't count on displacing people. But look at verse 7, what he does when his life is going sideways. Look at what he does. This is so personal and instructive. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went out, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. That is so impressive. Abram wasn't grumbling about Canaanites in the land and all the obstacles he faced. He didn't lose his faith because bad things happened to a pretty good person. He didn't lose his faith because his father died. Or say, oh, there must not be a God, I guess. No. He stopped and built an altar to God, thanking him for the safety they had had on the journey. He was grateful and he worshiped God even though his circumstances were very imperfect. Can I just say something to your heart for a moment? It is one of the greatest tests of faith if you keep on believing God even when your life is in turmoil. So how healthy is your faith? Well, let me ask you a few questions. If you're generous with your money, and your finances aren't flourishing, do you keep on being generous? <laughs> when, you're, 
when you rear your children to know Jesus Christ and yet they rebel for a period of time? Do you keep on praying and believing? When you honor God in your marriage and yet the womb is still barren, do you keep on praising him? When you pray for your health and yet your health breaks, do you keep on giving thanks? When you set your standards really high for a Christian mate and yet here you are, 35, 40 years old, and you're still alone, do you maintain your purity? When you work hard and yet you get bypassed for that promotion at work, do you keep on giving your best? In everything give thanks. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm so impressed. In spite of all the bad things that were happening, Abraham just stopped and he worshiped God and he gave God thanks. Now as I close today, let me just close with this thought. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is a chapter about kind of the Israelite people and, and how God worked in their lives. And it says there are three things that really angered God. I know that's not popular today to think that God would be angered by anything. <laughs> the messages we hear often on the radio and TV is that no, God never is upset by anything unless you just don't think highly enough of yourself perhaps. And that's the only thing that might make him a little bit amazed. But the scripture has a very different message. It says there are three things there. It just lists three that really tested God's patience and really upset God about his people. Number one was idolatry. Idolatry is any time we have something in our lives and we put it ahead of God himself. That's an idol. And that really, really angered God. Second was sexual immorality. In other words, instead of taking the gift of sex and sexuality that is from God and is sacred and using it in the appropriate way, in the appropriate context, we just flaunt it or treat it flippantly or with a cavalier spirit. And you know the third thing that really angered God? 1 Corinthians 10 was ingratitude. God had been so gracious over and over and over again to these people and yet, <coughs> all they did was grumble. And I can't help but think how we must try God's patience sometimes when he's been so good to us in this country and so good to so many of us in our family life, in our marriages, in our business, with our finances, in our personal health. And all we do sometimes is want to whine and complain. Let's learn that real faith believes God even when it seems impossible. Real faith is willing to trust God even in the midst of an uncertain future. And real faith is a willingness to thank God and keep on praising God even when our circumstances sometimes, quite frankly, just stink. And let's keep praying that prayer all throughout this series. God, would you increase our faith? I believe God is going to honor that kind of a prayer.
Father, thank you for the amazing example of Abraham. We have so many lessons we can learn from his life and his daring faith. As we launch into this new series, I pray that it would be absolutely life-changing. And that every one of us, even if we've just kind of kept you at an arm distance, every one of us would be challenged to go to a deeper level with you and become more Christ-centered. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.